Welcome to Core Nourishment. I'm Annie Wagner, your host. This podcast is designed to empower, inspire, ignite presence, purpose, and intention in your day. Welcome back to the Core Nourishment Podcast. This is Annie Wagner, your host, and thank you so much for being here with me, for tuning in, listening, and subscribing. If you haven't already done so, if you wouldn't mind heading on over to Apple Podcasts and offering a rating and a review, I would greatly appreciate it. And if you're interested in being a guest, I would love to hear from you. You can find me at anniewagoner.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Core Nourishment. So for episode 45, I had just such a delightful, powerful, raw, and beautiful interview with the incredible Marlene McCallum of Most Powerful Life. Marlene is a mom, wife, exquisite listener, speaker, warm, and exceptional life and leadership coach. And she specializes in empowering men and women to create life-altering results in the areas of love, career, life purpose, joy, and personal well-being. Marlene is on a mission to unleash the most powerful life within each one of us. And in this episode, she shares about swimming as a movie meditation, being a mom and savoring special mom and daughter dinners this summer organized by her 12-year-old. And she also shares about the power of words, reconnecting with her 10-year-old self during a conference and trying on a new coat, discovering her purpose as a coach. We explore the dance between fear and possibility, living in survival mode over the last two and a half years, toxic positivity and compassion. Time literally and magically disappeared as we flowed in conversation together. And I am so deeply grateful for having had this opportunity to land in presence with Marlene. So please pause, take some time and tune in and enjoy. so, so honored to connect with you, reconnect with you, Marlene, um, and to be able to actually like see you too via the wonderful Zoom that we have these days. Um, Likewise. Hi, Annie. Hi. Um, So as you know, we were just chatting about my favorite question to kind of lead with is what is nourishing your soul right now? What's lighting you up and fueling you? So I want to keep it real and say that when people ask me that question, oftentimes the first thing that comes up is like, oh my gosh, nothing, (laughs) you know, like I have, you know, some performance anxiety, like, oh, say the right thing. But you were so patient and generous when we chatted before the webinar a little bit. And um, I, I just let that voice quiet and I... I am excited about something. I started swimming recently. So a neighbor friend invited me pretty, pretty intensely. Like she invited me and then she invited me again. And, um, and so we've been going to swim at 6am in the morning, which means getting up at 5am in the morning, um, which isn't a particularly pretty time for me. Not really when I, I, 
want to be getting up. So, yeah, so we started swimming and it's just so, uh, it's so fantastic. It's, it's so wonderful to be surprised by something. I think that, uh, you know, at 51, that things, it sounds funny, but that things can still surprise me like, oh gosh, I didn't know I was going to love it that much. And I think one of the pitfalls of getting older is like, at least for me, is I think I already know how everything's going to go and how everything's going to be. So being surprised and delighted by something, um, it's, it's really, it's wonderful. I love that. And just like the novelty and the, the emotions, I can only imagine that like that have come alive in you. Like yes. because of, of you're inviting that new experience. Have you yeah. swum in the past? Has swimming been something you used to do? I did. I, I swam at summer, uh, summer camp and uh, for years, uh, maybe like seven years, but you know, only in the summers. So it wasn't a year round thing for me, but it was, it was, you know, that was a delightful time. Summer camp was a really wonderful time and a very clear memory and experience. So, so being able to swim again and, and also I think one of the things that I'm loving about it, Annie, is it's coached. So there's somebody who's, you know, and we're not just like swimming. It's like, we've got things to do, things to practice, different breathing, different techniques, different things. And so it's really engaging my mind also. And I love the idea that again, you know, at midlife, I can be learning um, and, and taking a skill and polishing it and making it better. And who knew, you know, who knew that would be the case. So it's, it's really delightful in that, in that sense too, very nourishing, very soul filling. Yeah. And it's an hour to think about those things. So so it's a type of meditation, right? Because I'm thinking about my breathing. I'm thinking about when am I supposed to do this? What am I supposed to do with my hand as opposed to an hour of autopilot thinking, which is, you know, there's a lot to autopilot think about that isn't necessarily very empowering. So it's a good reminder too, um, that even moving meditations are super valuable. Yes. I love Marlene that you, that are using that like description as a, as a meditation, because my, um, my experience in swimming, I used to swim when I was younger also. And then I, I imagine like, so when I close my eyes and imagine swimming in a lake or the times I have been swimming more for like triathlon training, um, I felt, I found it to be so similar, like so meditative because it was so really so quiet. And then I was really just feeling my body in the water, noticing my breathing and just the, the permission to be so present, um, was such a, I agree, like surprising gift and, and freaking hard. Like, I don't know, <laughs> like I'm, hey, I'm thanks for saying that <laughs> the gift, it's a hard gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hard gift. The breathing and swimming, it's always very humbling. I find. Yeah. So are you in a pool or are you in a lake or what are you swimming in? It's a, it's a pool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lap lanes. Yep. That's awesome. And are you going every morning right now? It's available three days a week for us. And I, my goal is two. That's incredible. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing, Raylene. 
Thanks. Yeah. And I also love that you use the word delightful, like you use that a few times. Um, and then it makes me just think in general of the concept of joy and delight in our lives. So I'm curious to know what else is like splashes um, of delight you're engaging with in your everyday. I like the pool splashing. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but That's it really purpose. Else <laughs> <laughs> <Just> splashing. Um, <laughs> well, the question really strikes me because I I think that in conversations like this, I feel that delight and joy are very much a necessity, a, a, a part of our life and experience that we um, we have full, I don't know, I want to say should, but like ought to or um, is available to us. And then yet when I'm not in conversations like these, I, I don't necessarily think about prioritizing joy or delight. So um, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting awareness to have being in a conversation like this, where it feels like, oh, of course, well, how else am I prioritizing or focusing on delight? And then matching that up with the everyday, which is, uh, you know, just to keep it real for anyone and everyone who's listening. Um uh, I, I don't have an eye on that. It's a lot of what, you know, what needs to happen, what, how to keep all the parts. I, I'm guessing a lot of people have that experience, right? How to keep all the parts moving. Um, so one of my takeaways from this conversation is to look at that, to notice that, like, uh, how else could I be prioritizing joy uh, and delight? Um I am, I have my daughter home with me for the summer. So there, there's some challenge with that. Um, and there's also some delight with that. So we have, we went through our schedules because she's a, she's a scheduler. So she's yeah. 12 and she can run a Google calendar pretty seriously. So, and she knows, I guess she knows me too. Like if it's scheduled, it'll happen, but if it's not yeah. scheduled, it's kind of, Mm-hmm. Less likely. So we went through and we blocked out our mommy daughter time. That's so cool. we, we have for the whole summer. Yeah, for the whole she got me for the whole summer. She's like, no, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Look at the whole thing, mom. Mm-hmm. I love that she and she like championed that. She's like, we're doing this. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Very much so. Mm. So we've we have dinner dates and we have pool dates. Um, and it's in the calendar as, as uh, mommy daughter time, which is nice. Yeah. Delights me when it, you know, pops up. Yeah. On screen. Um, and she's also just very delightful human being. Real joie de vivre just loves, she loves living and loves new experiences and conversations. So she is a very delightful person. When you're around her and having that, those kind of like sacred mommy daughter times, Marlene, what do you notice? What parts of you come alive with her that may not another with other people or other parts of your life? It's a really good question. Uh, I think 
I think I, it's some combination. I'm seeing like a lot of answers to your questions at once. So sometimes like being a deer in headlights, it's like, oh, this is the answer. This is the answer. So there's a, a very strong sense of, of pride. Like, like I'm so proud of her. I'm just really proud of the person that she is and that I get to, that I get to raise her. But I think now it's more that I get, I get to be with her. I get to be with the person that she is. And so um, she really brings me present. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that I, I'm more likely to appreciate the moment and the details. Um, like I might appreciate her, her humor or her hair or her, I don't know, her facial expressions, but it's, it's being very present with her, um, which again, you know, is available. I think it's available all the time. Um, So looking at it as an opportunity to expand that. Mm, yeah. I think when you're, when you're a parent or a mom, it, yeah. it comes a little easier. Um, and maybe in other places it takes more, more practice, but, uh, but using that as a gateway to practice more intentionally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate so much like these, these, like I I'm, I'm just relating in the sense of like observing myself as a mom and times where I'm like, oh, wow, like just feeling so deeply connected or present with my daughter or son in a moment or a feeling or in a conversation or an activity. Um, there's so much playfulness. Um, and then I'll also like simultaneously observe myself in the opposite in the moments when I'm mm. head caught in like cooking, making dinner and like, and they're list, you know, chattering and I'm, I'm kind of listening, but not fully listening. And it's amazing to just dance with that and not to, I have struggled in my past and still present sometimes of like judging myself of being like, Oh wait, hold on. I really want to just be so present, (laughs) but you know, it's like just wearing all the, the hats are like multitasking, you know, and being okay with that too. So I love the, the idea of practice. Like we get to continue to practice this and then see how it expands or ripples out. And, and be, I heard, be graceful, be graceful uh, or gracious with ourselves. Mm, yeah. When we can't be the perfect present yeah. mom, it's not all like baby in the bathwater. It's not all, it's not all trash, right? If we can't be a hundred percent present with our kids or say exactly the right thing. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that you just said that running because I literally was just saying that yesterday. Um, to my husband, like, you know, processing a conversation or, 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 you know, we were talking about just a moment with my daughter and, and I was sharing like how I still sometimes face my own perfectionism, like this desire to like know exactly what to say or like have the right thing to say. And then also recognizing that, you know, it's okay. Like just simply mm. being there and listening and holding space is one of the best yeah. things you can do, but yeah, being okay with that, that graciousness. Yeah. Yes. The pesky tentacles of perfection. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. you're, 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 you're like, pick it off me. I, I thought I got all of it, right? And it's just like little tentacles. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for for sharing about that. Um, you, Marlene, I feel so thankful to have known you. I mean, gosh, how many years ago did we do 
So I'm going to just share. So listeners, you'll hear obviously in the introduction, but Marlene is just one of the most phenomenal life coaches I've had the opportunity to connect with. Um, and it was years ago. Um, I feel like when my kids who are now almost, you know, teenagers were so little and different phase of life for me, I was just really starting to grow my business. And um, you helped host me in one of your webinars, um, doing food cravings and emotional eating. That's fun. Um, really good stuff. Which was so fun. And so I love here we are years later reconnecting and just thinking about um, in some ways our parallel lives of like, okay, you know, we're talking about being moms and, and just balancing motherhood and that role. And then you um, in your incredible business of the most powerful life. I love your line or your mission, Marlene, of like really wanting to empower others and to help them unleash their most powerful life and that energy within them. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but thinking about how you do that with your daughter, like mm. you get to practice engaging and presence with her and, and feel that, that power unleashing within yourself as a mom and also with her. And then how you do that with your community and your clients. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to know, or for you to share with our listeners, like what led you and inspired you to be, to want to become a professional coach and empower others in this way to live their most powerful life. Yes. And I, I love that, like, you know, live their most powerful life as opposed to live a most powerful life, right? Like it's, it really is individual. Um, so I love, I love that you phrase it that way, live their most powerful life. And I think, you know, creating, creating a space where people get to engage with that. Well, what does that mean? Hmm. Um, and even sometimes like when, you know, when somebody will say like to me, oh, you know, well, your most powerful life, it could be a little intimidating, right? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know how powerful am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. so, um, and, and I think it really invites us to consider something. Uh, it invites us, right. It implies power, right. So there's an implication like, yeah. You, you are powerful and what what would it look like unleashed or at a 10 or at an eight or how, right, however you want to look at it um and I was crunching the numbers I I, I want to say that our webinar on food and cravings and emotional health um was probably nine years ago yeah yeah I think you're right yeah I mean, the pandemic is a little time warpy. So yeah, whatever I think, plus two. Yeah. <laughs> or like 11. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So what inspired me? Uh, well, I I guess like a lot of things, it was personal, personal experience. So I... I was a psychology major in college and I always had an interest in what made people motivated, what, what makes us tick. I always had an interest in understanding that. And, um, and then fast forward, I didn't really do anything with my psychology degree. <laughs> I had, um, I had other types of jobs. I mean, I think I always used it in some sense, uh, and then 
I had my own business. I had a graphic design and communication business. And I went to a personal growth and development seminar that was uh, a friend had invited me to. And what I found was that after three and a half days of participating in this seminar, I felt more forward movement than I did in all of the examining that I had done to date. So sort of using, I guess, fairly or unfairly, I was, so, so the, the seminar was, that was the first time I heard the word coaching. Mm. And the way they described it, the way the person leading the seminar described it said, so I'm a coach and, and I'm going to be coaching you. And, and what that means is I'm going to ask you to try things on and you're going to try it on like a coat and see how it fits. And if you like it, you can keep wearing it. And if you don't like it, you can take it off and I'll give you something else to try on. That's awesome. Yeah. And I it was, and I thought, well, that's really like an interesting metaphor, right? I never thought about, I think up until that time, I thought of, well, you just kind of are how you are, mm-hmm. you know, like how you wake up in the morning is just how you are and kind of your lot in life and maybe 30 years of psychotherapy and can figure some stuff out and. Yeah. Not fall down too many times, right? But mm-hmm. kind of how you are is how you are, a fixed, like a fixed way of being. And so what I saw in three and a half days was that uh, we have quite a bit of say about who we're being, and that it's it's not a fixed state. And so that was extremely empowering. So what that looked like was I went in one way on a Friday and I came out feeling very, very different on a Tuesday. And so I thought, well, there, I want, I want in on this. Like I want, I want to support people in having an empowered experience and that it doesn't have to take their whole life, Mm. that it could happen quite rapidly with, um, with the right kind of question. The right jacket. The, the right, coach. yes. Yeah, coach on, yeah. Try this one on. Or yeah. um, for any of my clients who might ever listen to this, um, sometimes I'll say to them, you know, I see you doing this thing and it's kind of like you're wearing, in Yiddish we call it a shmata, like, a, like you're wearing this kind of like raggy little thing. It doesn't fit you anymore. You know, like you're this, powerful, amazing, intelligent, wise, witty person. And you're walking around with this little, you know, raggedy sweater on. Yeah. It's almost, it's like falling off you. Do you think you could just kind of just let the whole thing go? Could we put it all down? So, so that's kind of like trying on, but also taking off, yes. right? taking oh, off things that. That, that don't fit. Um, yes. So, so who we're being is not a fixed way and um, that human beings are actually very in tune with language. And so what we say out loud is extremely important. So um, little tweaks like I'm sad and just adding today, you know, I'm sad today, right? It's like a totally different, yeah, totally different experience, right? I'm sad is like a fixed way of being that I may never come out of. Mm. That could be forever. I'm sad today implies that 
tomorrow may not be, right? So, so I also am very focused on language, uh, how people talk about themselves, what they say, what they don't say, um, particularly ways of being. Like I, I believe that one of the most sacred sentences is I am dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Whatever we choose to put after that, has such a profound experience on life and how we feel in life and what we're, how we train people to relate to us. So you should see me any, anytime, anytime someone says that I am, I like, hold on, like something disempowering, like I am lazy or I am a bad public speaker. Mm. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's calm it down there, cowboy, right? Like, yeah. is that really what you want to speak over your life? Is that really, right? Yeah. Um, In the truth. Is that really true? Yeah. Yeah. Is that really true? Who is it? Um, that reminds me of that Henry Ford, Henry Ford quote. Uh, whether you, oh, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Yes. Yeah. So what we think and then what we say about ourselves can either be prison bars or open roads, open skies. I love that. And like the, the I'm going to use the word power, but the power in recognizing that, that we do have some choice over that versus, you know, when you enter that, that weekend and you were like, well, we just are the way we are. But then you left that Tuesday having either put on a different, I'm using your metaphor, but put on a different outfit yeah. or a coat or had just shed this part of you to like allow yourself to recognize like, oh, wow. Okay. I really have choice. It was a combination. There was some shedding and then some trying on. And the thing I was asked to try on was leader. Mm. How did that feel? Uh it felt like a whole new place to step into, like something um, like a whole new possibility of a life that I kind of maybe running alongside me, but I just never saw that there was an opportunity to, to step into it. And what was really interesting was that as a kid, I was a leader. <laughs> I, I, had, uh, I was president of a little kids club. Now, granted, I ran the whole thing, like even the elections. So, <laughs> yeah, not not a big surprise that I won. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I I definitely exhibited leadership qualities at a young age, and the the shedding. So, this the short story here, um, and this is an example of the type of work I'll, I do with people sometimes. Uh, like where do these fixed ways of being come from so that we don't, we're not born with them. They don't just pop out when we pop out. They're usually a construct, something that we put together. So, so yes, I was president of this kids club and we were, we had things going on. We had like fundraisers and activities and, you know, we weren't lollygagging. We had things to do. So, uh, but we were 10. I was about to ask how old are you? Okay. 10. All right. 10. Yep. And I show up one time and they informed me that they, the other kids informed me that they no longer wanted to have a president. They just wanted to have dance parties. 
<laughs> and now, they didn't ask me to leave or anything, right? Like, they didn't kick me out. Like I was welcome to stay and dance. But in that moment, it was, that was the end of my leadership. Presidency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My presidency, but also my, my, what I said to myself was, you know, basically being a leader stinks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know get it all kind of taken away or people won't like you or they just, people just want to have fun or whatever, you know, all those constructs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so pretty much from 10 to 30, I took a very back seat to things. Like I didn't, I didn't venture into leadership roles or think of myself as a leader. And this wasn't like a conscious decision. This was just, a reaction, you know, is just a very, just a reaction. I didn't say to myself, oh, well, I'm not going to sign up for that leadership. I just didn't. Yeah. And I think that's what happens to people is we make, we make these small decisions, these small constructs, and then we forget that we made them. Yeah. And then we feel subconsciously, like not even consciously, but victim to, okay, I, I can, I can never be yeah. a leader again or yeah. 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 Or even remember that I was one in the first place. Hmm. Yeah. So, yes. So when they asked me to try on leader, I I had this feeling like I was suddenly reconnected with the person that I was at 10. And, and sort of everything that happened in between from 10 to 30 was almost like, a, like an act or a, like not me. It's a very interesting experience, but I felt very reconnected with with who I was and my power. Um, and it it changed the trajectory of my life and I and I very much wanted to give that to other people. So that was really the the beginning of most powerful life, even though that's not what I called it. It didn't have a name back then, but that was definitely the beginning. That's amazing. Marlene, I'm imagining you taking like <clears throat> taking your 10-year-old you's hand and like saying, like, or even better yet, like hooking arms and being like, here uh-huh. we go. Like and like skipping and being like, all right, like yeah. I'm alive again in this way. Um, that's incredible. So so you kind of shared a little bit of, of like how you work with people, but what's an example? Um of, of a client that you might, that you work with? Like, do you target specific client? Oh yeah. A specific client or person. I, I tend to work with people who are self-employed business owner and executives. So what I've found is that executives, they, they're not, self-employed necessarily but they are they are a bit alone in a sense right they um trying to think of what what the connection is there but with with executives they're usually leading and managing and they're training other people to lead and manage and there's a bit of they're on their own Mm -hmm. yeah right like they can't they can't always say or talk about what it is that is going on for them because they're busy 
managing and leading and and uh, being even if it's not their title, but like chief culture officer. So how they are really dictates how other people are. So I find I find it in, in a lot of ways I'm. I'm a coach, but I'm also like a confidant, like, oof, people come to calls and they're like, Phew. yeah, and this and that. And then I, you know, I had to say this to that person. <laughs> so a lot of like confidant debrief, um, some, you know, some analyzing, well, how did that go? How could it go next time? What did you see was missing? I ask a lot of questions. Mm. Um, I really, I really aim to draw out people's answers. We have a lot of our, if not all of our own answers. Um, I mean, maybe not when it comes to like banking or technical things. <laughs> but the deeper wisdom. Yeah. Yes. yes. I work a lot with people about conditions of satisfaction. So what do they need in order to be satisfied? Um, and really getting clear on that list. I think most of us know maybe the top two or three, Mm. but really engaging with someone and having them go to 20 or 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, Marlene. That's quite, quite a gift. Cause that, yeah, to me, I'm like, Oh, 25. And when you talk about like, what do you need to be satisfied? Are you, you're exploring, let's use your example of an executive. So you're, you're exploring with them. um, What do you need to be satisfied in, in your work, you know, as an executive, but then also personally. So is it, is it standing? Yeah. It can, um, it can be used anywhere, which is helpful. So uh, real life example, conditions of satisfaction for clients. So Mm -hmm. who you want to be working with, who, who comes to your business, who gets served in your business, Uh, conditions of satisfaction for hires, who's working in your business, conditions of satisfaction for relationship, primary relationship. Uh, what do you need in order to be satisfied in a romantic relationship and friendships? These are all real life examples. City that you're moving to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we make a lot of, as human beings, you know, we have a lot of decisions to make every day and there's decision fatigue. And sometimes we make decisions based off one or two conditions, but there are these other deeper conditions that um, I think when we don't have a chance to explore them, we wind up dissatisfied in a lot, in multiple areas. Um, And so it's, it's a, it's a simple approach, but it's very powerful to have people get present to what, what they need in order to be satisfied. And then to operate from there. So, so taking it a step further, I'll have people, they'll have their conditions of satisfaction. I'll have them rate. Okay, well, rate, rate your hires, rate your clients. How do they match up? So we get, we get pretty granular, pretty real. Yeah. And, and that's so important. And such a, I remember having the opportunity to, you know, for you and you supported me through some of this, Marlene, and just how how incredibly helpful it is to get so clear, like to details, you know, cause it's like, well, you, you are so, so good at helping to lead people to that. Like, okay, keep going. Okay. Yeah. Now, now like really get clear on that vision. And, um, and I, I'm going to just go back to, you know, what you were saying about um, then having them act 
act on that because, because I think, or I guess my question for you is, is how, how often do you find that clients, people come to you acting from a place of fear versus um, being able to shift it to, oh, I can hmm. act from this place of desire or satisfied, you know, wanting to feel satisfied and fulfilled. Uh, right. Like how I started in coaching, like I had to work with anybody and everybody who wanted to work with me. Like I, that, that sort of oh, thing. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. That was me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So I think coaching is a really, is a really interesting balance between fear and possibility. Mm. So um, that really overused expression of meeting people where they are, <laughs> um, which is a great expression. It's just some things get used so much that we don't really even hear them anymore. We don't hear the, the message behind them. But, um, you know, f- most human beings have a good amount of fear, even, even the ones who are courageous. And I love that the quote, um, courage, is, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so coaching for me is a bit of a dance with letting people be afraid. Um, and at the same time, shining a light on what's possible, like that, that it's a, you can be afraid and we can start breathing life into what what could be possible, what could be on the other side of that fear. And so that we're kind of, I imagine it is like, we're kind of ramping up possibility and ramping down fear. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not one or the other, all or nothing, right? Black or white. It's like, okay, you're starting to fuel the the possibility more than the fear. And then yeah, I don't aim to scare the bejesus out of my clients <laughs> starting tomorrow. Yeah. Right. I mean, unless, you know, sometimes I'll ask, like, I'll say like, Hey, how's the tempo? You know, sometimes people are like, yeah, give him, turn it up, turn it up more. So I think that's an important piece too, yeah. is letting them be partner in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, there's, there's, I think as coaches, you know, we need to be, we need to have uh, that, that dancing relationship with fear and possibility. Um, you know, fear is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Like that's on purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, fear keeps us safe. Fear keeps us vigilant. Fear keeps us from making mistakes. Um, fear has wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so, we get to honor it, but it, it also doesn't get to run the show. It's not the only show in town. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, I'm thinking, I'm going right back to where we started, Marlene, with the swimming, you know, oh. you know, and I'm thinking like, oh, yeah. there was a lot of fear there. And then, and then we were talking about like joy and delight and you were, you know, I loved your just realness and rawness around like, yeah, that's not always on the forefront in my everyday, just with like busyness of life um, and different roles but it's making me just think about like this in general, this conversation, you know, fear, possibility, joy, delight. Um, I think just the mindfulness of it, you know, and bringing like mindfulness to, to our everyday and, and recognizing, oh, there's, there is delight in this, 
this hug with my my partner or in this conversation that we're having right now or um you know recognizing the fear when it shows up and then oh the flip side oh there's because there's still possibility, even though there's, you know, it's just anyway, just that the mindfulness is making me realize like sometimes I think there can be, I know for me and then for some of my clients like this um, pressure of like, oh gosh, I've got to add in more joy. Well, what does that look like? Um, let me get my calendar. Yeah. Let me get my calendar. I got to start doing all these things and write it all down. And, but instead of gratitude lists. Yeah. Right. But instead it can be like, well, what is already going on in your day that is that maybe is bringing you joy and you just hadn't paused to recognize that you know recently so um yeah power in that yeah Mm -hmm. recognizing what what is already there that we may be skipping over yeah and taking time to delight in the delight that already exists yeah Yeah. So when you think about that and in your everyday, I'm curious to know um, what rituals or practices or, you know, you have your swimming right now twice a week. Um, but are there any other, I guess, little like, I hate to use sort of self-care. So again, overused, but right. like self-care practices that really like that you have anchored in. Maybe by the end of this, we can come up with some other term for self-care. That would okay. be... Yeah, let's, let's do that. A little yeah. side mission. Yeah. Um, that's why I like to use the word nourishment. <laughs> but, but that can sometimes be misconstrued too. Mm-hmm. I'm just teasing and it. it's all good. But it, but it is useful because I think the mind does get used to expressions or terms. And then I had that with gratitude. Like I just couldn't even hear it anymore. Like mm-hmm. somebody would say the word and I would be so disconnected from what it actually meant. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, also with clients, I, I try to be mindful of that and, and say things, um, you know, if I do use a term that's overused, I'll, I'll note it or um, ask them to name it. You know, what do you want to call it? Um, that's amazing. People don't like the word goal. Like, okay, well, great. What do you, yeah. what do you want? Intention, objective, game? What, what do you want to call it? And so uh, again, you know, back to my love of of words and language, um, how important they are for people. So, okay. So other, other rituals that have me feel nourished, um, taken care of, connected. Um, So sometimes I have to say what's not there so that I can actually say what is there. So, so what's there is, and I'm guessing a few people might be able to relate to this, but the last two and a half years have really been a lot about survival. Mm. Um, and so the conversation of like thriving for many of us, I think was put on pause or really challenged, right? Like, so anything from what business do I have to feel delight or joy, right? Like what, what business do I have indulging, right? Air quotes, everybody indulging in, in um, delight or self-care or nourishment. So I, I think, you know, recognizing and honoring that the last two and a half years 
as human beings, we've really spent a lot of time in survival-based conversations, and that really drowns out these other things. And I think transitioning back into thriving conversations, being well conversations, more than just, you know, I don't have COVID, right? Like that mm-hmm. is a form of being well. Um, it, it's it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a rough, it's not a smooth transition. So, or it can potentially not be smooth. So I just want to normalize that too for folks. Like if you feel like you're hustling to survive, Hmm. um, it's understandable. And I think a lot of people really are. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you for touching on that. I have some, it's like almost like a form of survivor guilt. Like I notice some people feel very um, like, who am I to be doing so well right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so thanks for letting me say, <laughs> thanks for letting me not answer the question. Well, no, and I thank you, Marlene, because that is, that is so real, you know, what you just named. Um I think so many people tuning into this are probably like feeling super appreciative of your acknowledgement of that. Yeah. And I know I am. So thank you. And, and uh, thanks, Annie. And thank you for being a stand for nourishment and self-care and thriving and, and being well under all circumstances. Okay. I, that's extraordinary. Hmm to be having that conversation and take this stand and this position in, in these times where it's often not what we're talking about. So thank you. I appreciate that. I think, you know, it is, it's, uh, I was just having a conversation about this with my daughter actually yesterday about, um, I'm going to use the term toxic, toxic positive. Oh, Yes. But um, she was asking me, what does that mean, mom? And I, you know, we were talking about it and I, I was sharing with her how at times I have a fear. I have a fear of coming across that way of like people miss feeling misunderstood and as being one of the toxic, positive people out there. And, and I don't have control over that, but I told my daughter that, you know, one of my deepest, my deepest intention and mission is to um, simply come back to compassion. So instead of positivity, it's compassion Mm. and uh, guiding myself, my family, my loved ones, my clients, others to kind of shift to, you know, just allowance and compassion and being with ourselves right where we're at without Mm. needing to change it. Um, um, And I think just as you have touched upon in this conversation, shifting from, it doesn't have to be too positive, but knowing and helping others to recognize that although we might feel so stuck and like in this survival mode, um, that they're, that it's, it's, we're right here right now, um, today and there's possibility tomorrow. So I don't know if I'm making sense. Um, but I felt, um, thank you for, I felt compelled to share that um, because I I have guilt in my own way. And so um appreciate your your mirror back of me being um anchored in, you know, well-being and thriving. And 
my greatest heart is to simply allow people to be, you know, without their needing to be necessarily like positivity. <laughs> it's an interesting word if we're going to talk about words and language. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. Sadie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brought up toxic positivity. Um, I think it's pretty unique to Americans from what I can tell. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know a ton about it, but it is very interesting to me that that topic and how we've kind of found our, our way there, that it is even a topic, mm-hmm. um, but, but very valuable. Yes. And, and compassion is the compassion is definitely an, an antidote to that, right? Because it's sitting, sitting with someone and allowing them to be however they are without the need to pull them somewhere or them sensing that there's a need for them mm-hmm. to be some other place. Um, that's a very interesting to, to root oneself in compassion. Um, it's a very allowing place. And I think the toxic positivity really feels like it's just not okay to be how you are. Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the signature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it makes me really curious what, what had it, you don't have to get into it, but, but that Sadie is 15, 16, 12. She's, oh, she's 12. She's the younger. Jack is 15. And then Got it. yeah. Got yeah. it. So yeah, very interesting that it would be on her radar. We were talking about, I was mirroring back and reflecting back to her, how much I appreciate her. Um, she is so incredibly observant of humans mm-hmm. and um so just her observing people and and then her Sadie is so wonderful her sense of humor is one of her superpowers um but some and at times she was yeah I'm trying to think how it came up but anyway I was mirroring back how much I love that about her but also that how much she recognizes she was saying something about how like she doesn't like when um, she's an exp- she's expressing an emotion that may not be mm. a quote. I'm using air quotes positive emotion, and when she feels like someone tries to correct her or push her to the yeah. positive. So I said, "Have you heard of the word or the phrase toxic positivity?" Oh, nice. So that's how it kind of led to that. And I um, I said I said to Sadie that she and Jack are my greatest teachers in that because my natural inclination as a I think as a human always, but then as, as a mom has wanted to like make everything okay and to fix and to, you know, um, want people to feel okay and safe and loved and not necessarily positive, but just to and pain. Also prevent yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes fast forward to like, make sure. And I've, I've really learned and continue to practice every day with my kids with myself. <laughs> and then I feel so thankful in my business of this practice of simply the best gift we can do is just offer our presence and to sit side by side, like sit down with someone, not have to like pull them up or push them through or force them or try to fix, but just to be. And, you know, so that's, yeah, that was kind of the, where we went yesterday. <laughs> Love it. And yeah. it's, it really is true. I, I think there are times I make my job a lot harder than what it actually is because I think, I think it's a lot of what you just said is 
being with people, like really listening, really being, really reflecting what it is that you hear them saying um, has the most transformational effect for people in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, sometimes, you know, I try to say the wise or the right thing, but it seems like there's nothing wiser than listening and then sharing with the person what they said, because somehow we don't hear what we say. Right? Like, oh, yeah. Right. Like we say it out here and then the other person hears it, but it just doesn't quite come back to our own ears. Um, so just the, so what I hear you saying is that dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And, and giving people that back to them is, is hugely valuable. Yeah, it's amazing. It's such a honor, I think, to continue to, to just notice and be aware in those conversations. And the moments I agree, I do the same, really, where I'm like, oh, I want to offer the right thing or the yeah. you know, the right thing to say that empowers or moves and helps. Yeah. So, right. and sometimes there is that, right? Like, yeah, definitely. There is that to do. Um, I guess it's knowing, knowing what, when, or, feeling, feeling into it, feeling what, when, um, kind of like this conversation. I think I find that some conversations, I think one of the hallmarks of a conversation that is transformational is that the sense of time disappears. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, wait, is it 45 minutes? Is it an hour already? So that's how I know it was like a, a being based or a transformational or a spirit based conversation is, Mm. the sense of time is distorted so true and I that's funny Marlene because I literally just looked at um the clock and was like oh my gosh time totally just it flew which I so appreciate and cherish um and listeners I'm gonna honor Marlene's time because you have a you have a mommy daughter dinner connection tonight I do yeah and on that self-care ritual yeah, that's perfect. I love it. Full circle. And back to that that question. Thank you for I get to thank you first. Thank okay. you for the opportunity, for the opportunity to um, share about things that make a difference and um, hopefully let people feel even more human. I think that, um, yeah, just... Yeah, thanks for an opportunity to have real conversations and and um, may whoever's listening may it guide you in some way or open something up for you. Thanks for your listening and um, yeah, thank you. You're, you're so welcome, Marlene. I'm so honored and thankful that um, yeah that you. Say yes to this because you are one of the most, one of the things I've loved about you since the day I had the opportunity to meet you is your realness and rawness and um, enormous heart and your compassion and thoughtfulness around words and energy. So thank you. Where can people find you? So if, if a listener is listening to this and they would love, and they really are interested in reaching out to you, where could they find you? Oh gosh. Um, well, the best way to find me is email. So Marlene at most powerful life.com is my email. And, um, 
that's the best way to reach me. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, I hope you have a wonderful mommy daughter time this evening. And I so look forward to connecting again soon. Likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye.